Christine and I were suddenly awakened by this, this screaming coming from our oldest son, Dayton's room. And, and as fairly new parents, we were set into a panic. And so we rushed into Dayton's room. He, he was just shy of two years old. We had moved him into his own bedroom, into, into a big boy bed uh, as we were preparing for Landon to be born. And they're sitting on the edge of his bed with a look of terror on his face, breathing heavy with, with sweaty, matted hair, and our nearly two-year-old son, Dayton, between gasps and with tears streaming down his face, kept saying, JJ's cows, JJ's cows, JJ's cows. When we finally settled him down, he was able to tell us, JJ's cows broke through his walls and were running through his room. He had had a dream, a... a a nightmare dream. He had happened what so many of us have happened. The images of life mixed together in our brains while we are sleeping and they, they create these unreal or, or magnificent scenarios. JJ is my grandma, uh, Dayton's great grandma, and we spent a lot of time when we lived in California at the farm where she lived. And just down the farm from her was a dairy and so we would always hop in the golf court cart and drive the boys down to the neighbors to see their cows and these became known as JJ's cows. So that night Dayton after we'd been at JJ's all day and gone out and seen the cows a couple times Dayton was sleeping and suddenly those cows were stampeding through his bedroom. This is how dreams normally work. We take things that are real mix them together in our brain and they become this magnificent imagery within our minds. But for Nebuchadnezzar, he took that magnificent imagery in his own brain, the dream that he had in Daniel chapter 2 of this statue, and he decided to make it something real in his life. Rather than taking the thing out of real life and it becoming a dream in his brain, he took that 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 magnificent thing in his dream and tried to make it into something that was reality. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible tells us, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six, breadth was six cubits. That means it was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Nebuchadnezzar set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. You might remember from Pastor Candace's sermon two weeks ago, or if you're familiar with the, book of Dan, uh, with the book of Daniel in the Bible, that Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king of Babylon, he had a dream, and in that dream he saw a statue that was made up of all different kinds of materials. And then Daniel, this, this Hebrew who had, been, who had been brought captive from Israel and was now serving as a wise man, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's court, interpreted the dream for the king. And he said the nation of Babylon was the head of gold, and, and after that another nation would arise that was, that was represented by the chest of, of silver. And then after that another nation would arise that was, that was represented by the bronze waist. And, and after that another nation that was represented by iron legs, and then and then more nations represented by iron and clay mixed and so on and so forth. 
and, and this represented the king's dream. And in that dream, there was a stone that was, that was brought about and it came and it destroyed the statue and established a true kingdom. And this represented God's kingdom. What I believe we are seeing in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1 is Nebuchadnezzar taking portions of this, this magnificent, unreal dream that he had in his brain and and rather than mixing it up, he's just taking one piece of it and trying to make it a reality in his world. You see, he was told in his dream that his dream meant that after his kingdom, another kingdom would come represented by silver. And though at the end of chapter 2, we see that Nebuchadnezzar's heart is beginning to be softened to the Lord, he is not there yet. And so he's going to challenge God's prophecy. And he is signifying what he thinks is actually going to happen. He's saying, you know what? I'm the head of gold and after me is a, is a kingdom of silver. Guess what? I'm going to build an entire statue of gold. No kingdom will ever overthrow Babylon. Babylon, he's thinking, will rule forever. My name will be great forever. I am the great Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm going to illustrate this by making a statue, not just with a head of gold, but, but the entirety, all 90 feet will be gold and 90 feet wide. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't just want to build an image for people to see and to be reminded of the kingdom of Babylon. He wanted to build an image that, that people would worship, that they would add to their list of gods to worship. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 2, the Bible tells us, then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 3, Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald, that is a person who, who called out and gave instruction to the people, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Nebuchadnezzar took the dream that we read about in Daniel chapter 2 that was about God's power, that was about God's forever kingdom, and he tried to make it in real life about his power and a symbol of what he hoped would be his forever kingdom. And so the music began to play, the Bible tells us. And all the people, as they were told, fell down and worshiped the golden image Nebuchadnezzar had made. All the people but three. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 12 reveals to us that, that in that vast crowd of people, all those rulers from all those different places, three refused to bow the knee to King Nebuchadnezzar. This is not my main point, but I want you to think about this for a moment. God could have let Nebuchadnezzar revel in the worship of his golden image. He could have allowed Nebuchadnezzar to not be 
informed and instructed on the evil that he was doing. He could have allowed Nebuchadnezzar to, to ultimately sink in his own self-gradulatory, congratulatory moment. But God didn't do that. God loved Nebuchadnezzar. God saw that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar still had a heart that was tender to the king of the universe. And so God had in that crowd that day three individuals, three friends. They were unwilling to bow to the statue. Where was Daniel? That's a question that people have sometimes when they read this story. Where was Daniel? Why, why was he bowing? Well, I don't think he was bowing. Remember that, that just at the end of chapter 2, Daniel was given a new title. He was given the title of ruler over all the provinces of Babylon. So I'm guessing that Daniel was off on some diplomatic trip. We have no evidence to, to indicate that Daniel would have ever compromised in this way. In fact, we have the evidence that indicates the complete opposite. But Daniel wasn't the only witness in Babylon. God had three other witnesses. He also had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the friends of Daniel that we heard about in Pastor Andrea's sermon a few weeks ago in Daniel chapter 1. Remember our sermon series is Dare to be a Daniel or his friends, or we could say and his friends. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego loved God so much that they refused to bow down when the music was played. The dream was about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his coming universe. But Nebuchadnezzar was taking that statue and trying to make it about him and his kingdom and his universe. And those three men said, you know what? We love you, King, but we love God more. Because of their defiance, they were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible writes that, that Nebuchadnezzar was enraged at these three men. And when they were before him, verse says 14 and 15, Nebuchadnezzar asks this question, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Verse 15, Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship you shall be immediately cast into a burning fire. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? He's basically saying, I understand who your God is and why you're not worshiping, but I'm going to give you a second chance. Because no one's going to deliver you out of my hands if you fail me this time. You know, the original command of Nebuchadnezzar was that if anyone did not bow down to the image, that they would be immediately thrown into the fiery furnace. But, but now these three men stood before him and, and there was this moment of restraint that Nebuchadnezzar had. A moment of, of, of second chance almost, you could say. But the three friends tell Nebuchadnezzar that they don't need a second chance. They don't need to think about it. They know what's right, and they don't need to take a moment to think about it. Verses 16 and 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve 
is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's sin. What gods will deliver you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We'll tell you who will deliver us. The God of Israel, the maker of the heavens and the earth, he will deliver us. They are saying straight to Nebuchadnezzar, the king we serve is more powerful than the king we work for. We love our king, you Nebuchadnezzar, but we love the king of kings more. And in faith they say this, and we believe that king will deliver us from this king. But then my favorite verse, my favorite line in this story, verse 18. In fact, it's one of my favorite lines in the Bible. But even if he does not, these are, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego speaking. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Y'all, when I say dare to be a Daniel or his friends, what do we mean? I mean this, dare to be a people, dare to be a people, dare to be an individual that is willing to die for the cause of Christ, that is willing to die for the cause of Christ. Two weeks ago, Pastor Candace reminded us that, that being a Daniel and his friends means believing that God is a God that does the impossible. Trusting, having faith that God is a God that does the impossible. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego believe that God is a God that does the impossible. King, throw us into the fiery furnace. We will never bow down, but our God does the impossible and he's going to deliver us from that fire. But then they say this, but even if he chooses not to do the impossible this time, we are ready to die for him. Their faith was so large that they said, we believe God can do the impossible, but even if he doesn't, we are still ready to die for him. Y'all, I'm a little worried about the church. I'm a little worried about what it means to be a Christian in the United States of America. I'm worried about us. I'm worried about me. Are we ready are our hearts such that we could say like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that we believe God can deliver us. We can believe God can step in and save us from this. We believe that God can help us to overcome this. But even if he doesn't, we'd still rather die than go against him. I mean, it's becoming more and more common and more and more difficult to even die to self in order to stand for Jesus in the world in which we live. In fact, dying to self is now, when we talk about, about following Scripture over, over self, it's treated almost as if we're being legalists or, or judgmental. The Bible teaches us in James chapter 4 and verse 11 to not slander or speak against our brother but we'll shoot off a nasty email attacking another child of God and we justify it by deciding in our hearts that they wronged us so they are deserving of my unkindness. 
The Bible teaches us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. But, but we allow our kids to skip church because their team has a game on Sabbath. And we rationalize it by saying, missing worship once in a while for what we want to do is not really a big deal. Even though Isaiah 58 and verse 13 tells us the exact opposite of that. But hey, this is what I want. And am I really expected to give up what I want for what God wants? The Bible teaches us to not be unequally yoked in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. But we'll date whomever and we'll rationalize it by saying, well, I'm being a witness to this person. The Bible teaches us that at times, celibacy is God's calling on one's life. And it even could be a gift from God, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 7. But such a suggestion to suggest that, that, that you may be called to be celibate in this world is considered bigotry in our world because we should be able to sleep with whomever we wish, whenever we wish. The Bible teaches us to be quick to forgive and never hold grudges. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. But, but we subtly and sometimes not so subtly embrace the cancel culture of our day. You do me wrong, you deserve to be blown up on social media. You say the wrong thing, you say it just slightly off, you deserve to be criticized and attacked on social media. The Bible teaches us to study God's word and to plant it in our hearts. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 and all of Psalm 119. But we don't have time for the Bible. Even though we as adults spend on average three hours a day on our browsing social media, our email and the internet and on our phones. And teenagers, according to an ADBC news report just this last fall, spend on average seven hours and 22 minutes a day on their phones. But, but who has time to put away what we want to do to, to spend time in the Word of God? Y'all, we, me, myself, we are having a hard time dying to self. But Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are willing to die not only for themse against themselves, but to die literally, physically, to die for God. I'm worried about us as a church in North America. Being willing to die, to surrender your life, is part of being a Christian. I don't know if we understand that anymore. If the last days occur rapidly, we will be confronted with what we believe, why we believe what we believe. And in some cases, if we are not willing to surrender those beliefs, we will be asked whether or not we are willing to give our lives or to give those up. Dying, not just in a metaphorical sense, but in a literal sense, has always been an aspect, a potential aspect for those who walk as followers of Jesus Christ. The story at the end of John chapter 21, Jesus is walking with Peter and, and he asked Peter three times to feed and take care of his sheep. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. 
feed my sheep. Those three times he says that. In other words, he's saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm putting you in charge and I want you to, to care for your fellow Christians. And then he tells Peter this. John chapter 21 and verse 18. And Peter, after you do all this, after you feed my lambs, after you take care of my sheep, after you feed my sheep, when you're old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Then John adds this parenthetical note to help us understand what is being said in this moment. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. History tells us and, and, and some, some records tell us that, that Peter was crucified upside down. He was crucified like Jesus, but upside down. Hey, Peter, be my follower. Yes, Jesus. Will you follow me, Jesus? Peter? Will you take care of my sheep? Yes, Jesus. Will you serve me, Peter? Absolutely, Jesus. Good. And at the end of it, Peter, they're going to kill you for it. It's a potential that's out there, being a follower of Christ. And check out this text, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Listen to this, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you want to live according to those principles that I just shared just a few minutes ago, if you want to live according to the principles found in this book, the Bible tells us you will suffer persecution. Maybe later today, read Matthew chapter 10. Physical persecution and even death are a very real part of following Jesus, of being a follower of the one true God. I worry that if we cannot die to self and live by what Jesus calls to in His Word as our absolute authority, will we be willing to die? The literal, physical death, if that time ever comes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing. They said, King, we don't need a second chance. We believe God will do the impossible, but, but, but wake, O King, even if He doesn't, we still will never worship you. And if that means death, we are ready to die. And Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible says, is furious. He flies into a rage. He loses it. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. You see, when he saw them up there and he saw who it was, these are Daniel's friends. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give them a second chance. But, but his attitude towards them changed, the Bible said. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his, the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king was so angry, get them and throw them in the fire! And they rushed to throw them in the fire and they got too close and they died. And these three men, the Bible tells us, firmly tied together, fell into the blazing furnace. 
They believed God would do the impossible. But they were ready to die for him if he chose not to do the impossible. Now it so happens that God was not ready for them to die. And so he did do the impossible. He also did the impossible for us. Because he loves those that are struggling to die to self. Nebuchadnezzar was struggling with dying to self. And so God took the willingness of these three Hebrews and their willingness to die to to make further inroads in Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Verse 24 tells us, Then King Nebuchadnezzar, these three men are thrown into the fire, verse 23, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet. He leaped to his feet in amazement. And he looked around, he asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Let me pause the story just for a moment. I am willing to die for Jesus because of what he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because what he did for them, he has also done for me. Jesus was consumed on the cross in the fire and the torture and the torment of my sin. He got into that fire for me. But unlike Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I didn't have to walk in that fire with him. They were thrown into the fire and then Jesus came and met them and walked amongst them. But, but the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me, for us. Jesus went through the fire of the cross, went through the fire of hell, so that I would not have to go through the fire of separation at the end of time that I would not have to go through the fire of destruction at the end of time. He did that for me and he did that for you too. All of us that are struggling to die to self, Jesus says, I know how hard they're struggling to die to self. They much less die physically. So I'm willing to die on this earth for them so that they will understand and realize how much I love them. I'm willing to die on this earth for Jesus because I know that I will live again forever because of what Jesus has done for me. I love Jesus more than my own life. I love Jesus more than the life of my wife. I love Jesus more than the lives of my children. And I want them all to feel the same about Jesus as well. I tell my boys, if your dad ever falls away, if something ever happens to your dad, if he does something stupid, no matter what, don't give up on Jesus. He's worth everything, and he loves you even more than your dad loves you. This is how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt about God. He was everything to them, so much so that they would die for him. And get this, through their willingness to die, 
God used them to soften the heart of Nebuchadnezzar just a little bit more. He wasn't quite there yet. We'll see that he needed a little bit more in next week's sermon. But God softened the heart of Nebuchadnezzar just a little bit more in this moment. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell even of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise, this is verse 28, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. He said, they defied me and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Verse 29, Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Remember, he'd ask the question, if you don't bow down, you're going to go into the fire and see what God can deliver you from my hands. And now he's saying, I see. I see the God that can deliver them from my hands. Brothers and sisters, do we dare to be a Daniel or his friends? Are we ready to lay down our lives for our friend Jesus? Because he loves us and because he has already laid down his life so that we won't have to experience the fires of sin at his second coming. Daniel and his friends in chapter 1 were servants of God in the face of hopelessness, as Pastor Andrea said. Daniel and his friends believed in the God that does the impossible, as Pastor Candace said. Daniel and his friends are willing to die for their God, no matter what. Will we dare to be a Daniel and his friends? Will we dare to be witnesses for Jesus in such a way that through our willingness to die to self, our willingness to die even physically for the cause of Christ can be the instrument that God uses to save someone else. Are we willing? I dare you. I dare me to be a Daniel or his friends. Jesus, help us. We are servants in the face of hopelessness because of you. Jesus, help us. We, we believe in the impossible, even in the, even in the face of everything contradicting the impossible because of you. Jesus, because of you and because you died for us, give us the strength to die to self and even to surrender our lives for you and for your cause. Jesus, may we love you enough that we may be a Daniel, that we may be a Shadrach, that we may be a Meshach or an Abednego. And in our culture, in our world today, let us die to self. And if necessary, Jesus, let us die for your cause and your truth. And may it be a witness to save those around us. In your name I pray.
Amen.